We talk of Christ, we rejoice in Christ, we preach of Christ, we prophesy of Christ, and we write according to our prophecies that our children may know to what source they may look for a remission of their sins. This is episode 6, D&C 10-11, that you may come off conqueror, and we're studying it February 1st through 7th. I am so grateful. I have really enjoyed studying, and I... It's, I'm accountable to you guys, so it keeps me, it keeps me going, it keeps me studying, come follow me, and I've been really happy that I've had that opportunity to do so. I wanted to share um, the study and teaching tips from the manual this week. So in the Individuals and Families manual, the studying tip says, recording impressions while reading the scriptures is like planting seeds. Even small impressions can lead to meaningful personal revelation. I really like that so much of uh, what we've been studying this year so far in Doctrine and Covenants centers around revelation and receiving personal revelation. It's so cru- crucial in today's world that we are continually receiving direction and um, inspiration, but also just confirmation that what we're doing is right and that you know we're making right choices and Oh, I seek it out all the time with, with my kids and making sure that what I'm doing is is the right thing for them. But I'm grateful as I read some of the, the things in the manual, it reminds me of what I'm supposed to be doing. I like that it says to um, record your impressions. I haven't been doing that very good lately and I need to get better at um, scripture journaling. I did really good <laughs> the beginning of last year. I was like, oh, COVID is like... It's a blessing in disguise. It's going to really force me to just dive into the scriptures and really make it personal because I knew that I wasn't going to be getting that at church. And, and so I um, I really spent a lot of time in the scriptures last year um, for mo- most of the year, actually. I think probably towards the end of the summer, early fall, it, it started tapering off and I got busy, busyness in the fall. <laughs> and so this is a good reminder for me to get back to my scripture journal. Um, in the primary manual, it has some teaching tips. It says, ideas and impressions about how to teach can come to you anytime and anywhere as you travel to work, do household chores, or talk with others. I like that it tells you or reminds you that you can get impressions anytime in your life. I think so many times we'll just be going about our business and we'll have a thought and we'll just be like, oh, that's cool. You know, that's a great idea. But do you really attribute it to the source? And at the time that you receive it, do you say thank you to the Lord? Um, one of the talks from this week, I'm just going to skip down to this because that comment just totally reminded me of what what I read this week. So one of the talks that the Individuals and Families Manual suggests reading this week is Elder Bednar um, from 2018. Um, it's October of 2008. The talk is called Pray Always. And he talks about um, when we say our prayers, um, let's see, he says, during the course of the day, we keep a prayer in our heart for continued assistance and guidance. Even as Alma suggested, let all thy thoughts be directed unto the Lord. We notice during this particular day that there are occasions where normally we would have a tendency to speak harshly and we do not, or we might be influenced or inclined to anger, but we are not. We discern heavenly help and strength and humility recognize. And humbly recognize answers to our prayer. Even in that moment of recognition, we offer a silent prayer of gratitude. At the end of our day, we kneel again and report back to our Father. 
We review the events of the day and express heartfelt thanks for the blessings and the help we received. We repent and with the assistance of the Spirit of the Lord identify ways we can do and become better tomorrow. Thus our evening prayer builds upon and is continuation of our morning prayer. And our evening prayer is also a preparation for meaningful morning prayer. Um, it's so um, pertinent to what I was just talking about. Just the idea of when you receive revelation or um, you, you get help with something that you're struggling with during the day. And you recognize and say a prayer, like a little, just a little silent prayer of gratitude right then and there to the Lord for helping you. I think that is going to lend to more personal revelation and it's going to help you have more meaningful prayer. So that was cool. I did not even mean to make that tie in, but sweet. I also wanted to give an example of what my week would look like. I'll tell you some things that I try to do, but I don't always do. Because um, one thing that I, as I've been trying to get some feedback from people about what they like about the podcast or what they would change about the podcast, I think some people are just overwhelmed because there's just so many ideas out there. And it's like, how do I implement that? Or how do I pick an idea to do with my family? And so I just wanted to give you some ideas or... Um, there's so many different ways of doing this. And that's one thing I really wanted to emphasize throughout this podcast was the, whatever I'm suggesting, or if I talk about things that are working for me, that doesn't mean it's going to work for you because your family's different than mine and I'm different than you are. (laughs) You know, everyone has a different teaching style and a different learning style. So that's part of why I give all the examples I give because hopefully someone will get something out of it that will help their family. Um, also I just, I know that sometimes you hear an example and you're like, you know, that's not really how I, like, I don't connect with that idea. Like it doesn't resonate with me. Like I don't, you know, you can't teach if it's not credible to you. Does that make sense? Like if you don't fully feel the emotion behind the, the doctrine that you're trying to teach your family, it's not going to be taught as well. And so if you have a testimony of something, um, your family's going to feel that as you're talking about it. So if there's examples in here and you're like, you know, the way you're thinking about that, like it's great and it's true, but it's not necessarily how I think about it or how I feel about it. So it may not work for me and my family and my teaching style. So moving along, sorry for that little tangent, but I wanted to give you an example of what I try to do in my home home. So every Monday we do a family home evening and usually our family home evening lesson is kind of like an intro into the week, right? So I either start with like the objective. I talked last week a little bit about objectives and focusing on that throughout the week. So so either, so Monday I'll either focus on the objective or I'll focus on the story and we'll tell the story, the, the week that we studied about Martin Harris losing the 116 pages. We watched the story um, on my iPad. I had like the, they have, you know, the narrator that reads as you look at the illustrated pictures and, and the kids, my kids, well, my oldest got really into that and he understood the story. So the rest of the week, as we talked about it, we referred back to that. He knew the story really well. So that was what we did for family home evening. And then um, during the week, we try to do, well, we always do our daily scripture study. Right now we're kind of 
trying to find a better time to do it because we've been doing it at night as like so we you know get the kids in their pajamas and brush their teeth and then we do scripture study um as a family and it's it's been hard because our kids are tired and our youngest is weaning right now so she gets really emotional at night and has a really hard time because she really wants to nurse like really bad so it's been rough anyway so we're trying to find a better time to do scripture study it's our family so we've tried doing like because my husband's working from home right now so we've tried you know breakfast time we've tried doing lunch time lunch time seems to work really good if we can like all sit down and do lunch together and keep the kids focused long enough to do our scripture study sometimes they want to get back to whatever they were doing we we we're trying to find a good way to focus their attention for scripture study instead of just reading scriptures every single time we do often read but a lot of times we will use one of the ideas from the manual that week so you know if there's a discussion around a verse we'll discuss we'll use those questions to discuss the one verse or you know two verses occasionally sometimes we'll read a few verses if we think our kids can handle it at that time um sometimes we'll reread the same verse and have new questions or remind the kids of something we've already talked about. And that's usually how our scripture study looks. Every once in a while, we'll watch like a little video or something. Um, when we did the New Testament, often I would turn on one of the Bible videos because my kids love that. That was what we did for scripture study for quite a bit during the New Testament. Um, also, my kids were younger at the time. And so it's really, I understand, it's really hard to keep little kids attention during scripture study. So the other thing I try to do is because I've studied it and it's on my mind and I've been, and I'm still, you know, I'm, I'm putting the effort in myself. I listen to my own podcasts and things to, um, that are for my personal study. And so often I will bring something up that I know would be pertinent to my kids. Um, when we're at the table, if we're not doing scripture study, sometimes we're just eating or driving in the car or something. And Sometimes I just bring whatever conversation we're having back to the content that week. And then I try to, and I haven't been doing very good at this lately, but I try to plan a primary lesson for Sunday. And that usually is kind of a culmination where I'll do like the coloring page. It's in the, the primary manual. So I usually try to do some kind of a coloring thing or something that's a little more hands-on and active for the kids on Sundays. Um... And I wanted to just talk about a few other things that I've done that are just extra. So <laughs> I've been wanting to do this for a few years because I grew up with this. My mom, when I was little, she took some of the gospel art. She went to the distribution center and bought just some of the little the gospel art pictures. I think she bought some like five by seven ones. She bought each of us probably like ten of them or something. And she got them laminated and then she punched holes and put like a little you know, the, the rings on them. And so we each had our little, or actually, I don't know if she put the rings. She may have just tied it with string anyway, but we each had our own little picture book of Jesus pictures that we list, we would look at while we were preparing for and partaking of the sacrament on Sunday. And so I've been meaning to do that with my family for my kids for a long time. And I finally got around to, I finally bought myself a laminator is really what it is. I had the pictures and then I bought myself a laminator finally. And so I laminated all these pictures and I got them all put on a little ring. And my kids have loved it. I get them out 
during the sacrament and my kids have just really gotten excited and I like having pictures especially when we were studying the Book of Mormon I'd pull out the picture that um was the story that we had studied that week and I would you know kind of whisper talk to the kid about the story whoever happens to be close to me or sitting on my lap for the sacrament um there's always someone on my lap um we talk about it a little bit during the sacrament and I think that's always a really good way to connect to the child because it's visual they're kind of getting some one-on-one time with mom and hopefully feeling the spirit while they're at church and I also like to have the church at the distribution center has like coloring books that are the scripture stories and stuff and so I like having those on hand at church too because it re-emphasizes what we've been talking about during the week as they see the stories and the pictures in those coloring books anyway Let's get going on the lesson finally. Um, so the background of um, section 10 and 11. I'm going to read it because I can't paraphrase it quite the same way that the, the manual does. So I'm going to read the background from the manual. It says, as the translation of the Book Mormon progressed, a question naturally arose. What should Joseph Smith and Oliver Cowdery do about those, plates, those pages of their translation that had been lost? The logical thing might be to go back and retranslate that portion, but the Lord could see something that they could not. Wicked men were plotting to alter the words on those pages to cast doubt on Joseph's inspired work. God had a plan to thwart Satan's efforts and compensate for what was lost. This plan was put into motion thousands of years earlier when the prophet Nephi felt inspired to create a second record that covered the same time period. Later, Mormon was inspired to include this record in the Book of Mormon for a wise purpose known to the Lord. My wisdom, the Lord said to Joseph, is greater than the cunning of the devil. That's a reassuring message in a day like ours, when the adversary's ongoing efforts to weaken faith are intensifying. Like Joseph, we can be faithful and continue on in the Lord, in the work the Lord has called us to do. Then we will find that he has already provided a way so that the gates of hell shall not prevail against us. Um, and you can read the full story um, in Saints. Um... It's pages 51 through 61. It's the first volume of Saints, by the way. And then the background for section 11, it says several of Joseph Smith's family members and friends asked him to seek the Lord's will on their behalf. Joseph was happy to do so, but the Lord was willing to give them personal revelation. In Doctrine and Covenants 11, a revelation that Joseph received for his older brother Hiram, the Lord said, I will part unto you of my spirit, and then shall ye know all things whatsoever you desire of me. So let's go ahead and get into the content and the and the lesson. The first section that I wanted to include is not talked about in the primary manual, and it was it's for you. It's for moms and dads, grandmas and grandpas, because I think this is so real in our lives today. So hopefully you'll see what I'm talking about as I get started. In Individuals and Families Manual, it says, Satan would prefer that we forget he exists, or that at least we at least fail to recognize his attempts to influence us. That's Second Nephi 28, 22-23. But the Lord's words in Doctrine and Covenants 10 reveal that Satan is in constant, active opposition to God's work. You could ask the Lord to help you see how Satan may be tempting you. What do you learn from Section 10 that can help you resist Satan's efforts? Um, and the reason I wanted to talk about this is because Satan is attacking the family. 
and he's constantly putting negative thoughts in your head about your worth as a mother or the work that you're doing or telling you it's not good enough, it's not worth it, and I wanted to tell you that it is. You are a loved daughter or son of God, and he appreciates your efforts and that every little thing you do to try to teach the gospel is a planting a seed and you may not see your efforts pay off for a long time but every everything you do is is recognized by the lord the efforts that you are putting forward into teaching your children so i wanted to talk a little bit about some of the things that satan does to try to prevent us or discourage us so in DNC 10 verse 4 it says do not run faster or labor more than you have strength and means provided to enable you to translate but be diligent unto the end pray always that you may come off conqueror yea that you may conquer satan and that you may escape the hands of the servants of satan that do uphold his work now do you sometimes feel like you're not doing enough i think that's oh my heavens that is one of satan's biggest tools right now especially to latter day saint mothers he he wants us to believe that we are not good at what we're doing, that we're not doing enough, or our kids aren't doing enough, or that the things that we're doing, we need to do more of it, you know? Like, we so often we focus on all the sports and the talents, you know, like the music lessons and trying to get the kids to get good grades, and, oh, your child can sing in the choir, I guess I need to get my kid also in the choir. You know, we just compare ourselves with each other so often, but also we compare ourselves with, like, what we expect to have out of life. You know, like, you're, you might expect your kid to be involved in everything or, um, you compare yourself, you compare your, your family with, you know, what you grew up with and say, well, I did all these things as a child, my child should too, so they can have a good childhood, you know? Like, I think so often we just try to push ourselves to do too many things and try to push our kids to do too many things. But really, when we we focus on what is the most important and make sure that we have the energy and the strength for the things that um, provide the most benefit to our children spiritually... The Lord's going to bless those efforts. And that's what he's saying in this verse to Joseph is don't do too much. Don't feel like you need to do more. And the way we do that and the way we make sure that we're staying on track is that we pray always. And I love it. It says that you may come off conqueror. So powerful. All right. The next um, thing I wanted to talk to you about is Satan's plan was to have evil men alter the words of the scriptures when Joseph retranslated them. They will try to prove that Joseph made it up because the words were not the same. Do we see this today? Do you see Satan trying to alter the truth? And I've been thinking about this so often, and especially with just so many things in the world today and how frustrated I am with how the world's going. But then I'm reminded that Satan takes all good things and twists them. I think about how awesome the internet is and how powerful it is as a means to share the gospel and to further the Lord's work. But you know that equally the internet is also used by Satan to 
create counterfeit and to lie and to spread. I mean, so many people are addicted to social media and so many people use it to um, bully or spread hate or to, you know, waste their their lives away on social media or um, pornography is huge on there too. So you look at all these things that Satan takes something that's good and he twists it. And he ruins it. And he makes it into something that it works in his favor. And so I just think about that so often and how quickly Satan can take things that are good or things that might have once been good and he twists them into something evil and that is untrue. All right. Um, in verse 19... It says, therefore, we will destroy him and also the work, and we will do this, that we may not be ashamed in the end, and that we may get, and that we may not get the glory of the world. Um, Satan tempts us by wanting that glory. Do you see that? Um, so often on social media, you you gauge how good you are or how cute your kids are, or whatever, based on how many likes you get or how many shares you get or. Um, people's comments, you know, like how often do we let that shape how we think about ourselves? And if we focus on whether Heavenly Father would like or approve or love our comment or our picture or what's going on in our lives, if we focused on that, I think that will, that helps us really think about what's the most important in our lives instead of trying to get approval from our peers and others out there in the world. Verse 25 says, Yea, he saith unto them, Deceive, and lie in wait to catch, that ye may destroy. Behold, this is no harm. And thus he flattereth them, and telleth them that it is no sin to lie, that they may catch a man in a lie, that they may destroy him. And thus he flattereth them, and leadeth them along, until he draggeth their souls down to hell. And thus he causeth them to catch themselves in their own snare. And thus he goeth up and down, to and fro, in the earth, seeking to destroy the souls of men. Um, and then verse 63, and this I do that I may establish my gospel, that there may not be so much contention. Yea, Satan does stir up the hearts of the people to contention concerning the points of my doctrine. And in these things they do err, for they do rest the scriptures and do not understand them. So a couple of things I wanted to bring out with those, just the, the, the snares and the traps that Satan has. And I want you to just take a minute to think about the traps that Satan is placing for you and and trying to catch you in something, helping you, making you maybe feel like you're not good enough, or you're, you you want to give up on teaching your kids. Um, maybe you want to just throw in the towel and say, well, I haven't done any, come follow me up till this point, why would I start now? Satan is trying to catch you. He's trying to stop you. Anything he can do to prevent you from helping you feel the spirit or connecting to your heavenly father, he's going to do that. And so you need to recognize Satan in those things. I also wanted to talk about, um, people, you know, the contention concerning the points of my doctrine and says, for they do rest the scriptures and do not understand them. I wanted to talk about the definition of rest. It's W R E S T. The definition is to distort the meaning or interpretation of something to suit one's own interests or views. Do you see that so often in the world today? <laughs> I can't even get on the internet without seeing that happen. 
all the time. People take something and they make it work in their favor. And they try to say that what what they believe is is right because here's the proof. But really they're trying to twist the words of the prophets and, and the scriptures to make it work in their favor. The next section is the Lord's wisdom is greater than the cunning of the devil. And this comes from the individuals and families manual. Um, down in the the section where it talks about ideas to do for family study. It says, to help your family discuss how the Lord compensated for the lost pages of the Book of Mormon translation, perhaps family members could talk about something they had recently lost. How did they feel when they discovered it was lost? How did they feel when it was found? Although the lost Book of Mormon pages were never found, how did the Lord compensate for their loss? And I love this discussion that you can have because kids from like three years old all the way up to 100 years old have all experienced losing something. Everyone has had this this emotion. They've all felt that despair or that frustration from losing something. And it could be something so small as a favorite toy all the way up to, you know, lots of money or losing a job or something, you know, like there's so many things that we could lose that we've all felt this emotion. And so when you talk about it and you start feeling those emotions, it helps you empathize and feel what Joseph must have felt. But it also helps you feel and recognize that the Lord made up for that loss. Um, So it also goes down to say more than 2,400 years in advance, the Lord prepared to compensate for the lost pages of the Book of Mormon. In 1 Nephi 9, 5-6, it says, Wherefore, the Lord hath commanded me to make these plates for a wise purpose in him, which purpose I know not. But the Lord knoweth all things from the beginning, wherefore he prepareth a way to accomplish all his works among the children of men. For behold, he hath all power unto the fulfilling of all his words, and thus it is. Amen. So, what evidence of the Lord's wisdom and foreknowledge have you seen in your life? So, some examples that I have seen that I thought would just at least hopefully get your brain flowing is the home study program in the church preceding the pandemic. I've also, my family had decided a long time ago that we were going to homeschool. And I'm really grateful that we did because my children have not even missed a beat um, during this whole craziness. And actually, I feel like they had more fun and enjoyed it more because their friends were also home from school. So those who are willing to, to play and go to the park with us and things, they got to be with their friends a little bit more. Um, when I... Uh, something that was maybe a little more personal... Which, it's kind of funny because I felt like I was super old. But I know a lot of people who <laughs> got married later in life than I did. But um, I was, when I was uh, 23, 24, I was feeling really discouraged because I had gone to school. I went to BYU-Idaho of all places and I came home without a husband. It was like blasphemy, right? <laughs> and so I, I had a hard time coming around and, and really... Um, being okay with that. And, um, but I got into my career. I, I taught school and, um, I was grateful that I, I had that. I started going to a singles ward and I met my husband. I am so grateful that I didn't get married early because I had time to develop my career and I had time to establish myself as a teacher because it helps me as a mother teach my children now. 
And I'm also especially grateful that I waited so that I was able to marry the man I married because he was on his mission. Um, <laughs> um, at the time that, you know, I was feeling really discouraged about not being married. So I'm glad that it worked out for us to get married and, and to get married when we did because I was able to support him through some of his schooling and, and I feel like we were just better off financially when we got married. And so I saw the Lord working that way. I also saw him working. I talked about this last week again. But when I was trying to decide on my major or which college I went to, those things were both um, evidence of the Lord's wisdom in my life. Um, I thought I was going to go to Utah State. I had gotten my acceptance. I had gotten a, um, a scholarship. And so I had started getting ready to go there. And I just didn't feel right. It just didn't click. Like I, I couldn't bring myself to register for classes. But for some reason, my acceptance to BYU-Idaho got delayed in the mail. And I was so grateful that, like, I hadn't really committed to things yet. Um, and so I was able to go to the school that I was meant to go to. And I have really strong feelings about that, but that's for another day. Um, I've had lots of experiences with roommates and friends that I was meant to meet and be close to. And there's been so many times that I've had people or friends tell me that, um, I was an answer to their prayer or vice versa. I've had so many friends or ministering sisters or people in my life be an answer to my prayer. And I'm grateful that the Lord has put them in my life. Um, last example I wanted to give when my, we live in Arizona, when we moved to Arizona, there was a house that we really, we fell in love with. We tried to put an offer on it and it fell through. Not well, they had already accepted another offer before our offer came in. And we just were so devastated because we just had loved that house so much and, and just really felt strongly that's where we were supposed to be. Um, and so then we continued to look and we found the house that we're currently in. And I'm so grateful we ended up here in this ward and in this neighborhood because it's been a huge blessing to be to be where we are. So um, let's go down to um, section 10, verse 45, it says, behold, there are many things engraven upon the plates of Nephi, which do throw greater views upon my gospel. Therefore it is wisdom in me that you should translate this first part of the engravings in Nephi and send forth it, sorry, send forth in this work. Um, so it says the record that God prepared to replace the lost manuscript is now found in first Nephi through Omni. How have those stories and teachings in this record thrown greater views upon the gospel for you? So I started brainstorming and thinking about, and this is without even like opening the scriptures, which I am a little bit embarrassed because I feel like I would have done a better job of doing this if I had actually looked through the stories and, and opened the scriptures. But this was just me brainstorming off the top of my head. Um, so things that have thrown greater views upon the gospel for me are um, Nephi's story of obedience, him receiving personal revelation and the interpretation of his father's dream. Um, I appreciate his vision of the latter days and his vision of the Savior. In Second Nephi, there's all of Isaiah, which I know a lot of us cringe, but <laughs> Jesus, when he came to the Americas, told them to study Isaiah. So I think it's it's a blessing that we have those words. Um, Jacob talks about pride and our righteous desires. We would miss out on the allegory of the olive tree. And the doctrine about the fall of Adam. Um, Enos, I learned a lot about prayer and how powerful charity is. He prays for other people 
And Eunice's example of that is um, so beautiful to me. So I'm grateful that the Lord gave us those things and that we have all of that, um, all of that scripture. And then it was the Lord's will that that, that stuff be included because it really, um, ha- some of my favorite parts of the Book of Mormon are in those, those pages. All right, next section is when I pray always, I can overcome Satan's temptations. Younger children section, it says, sometimes children think they can pray only at specific times and places and only if they are kneeling or closing their eyes. How can you help them learn how to pray always? And in the older children section, it says, you can help the children understand that constant prayer gives them the power to overcome temptation. Sometimes I read these and I'm like, wow, that's something that I need to learn. Um, Especially this uh, constant prayer gives us the power to overcome temptation. I mean, I know this. This is why we study the same things over and over again, because we need the constant reminder and the constant encouragement that if we, if we pray, if we pray always, we will overcome temptation. All right. So the examples that the manual gives to teach this section, um, it says we can show pictures of things we do often, like eating, sleeping, or playing. How do these things help us? Display a picture of a child praying while you read the children, Doctrine and Covenants 10.5. And most specifically the words pray always. Ask the children to repeat those words several times. How will praying always help us? I like that because you're putting it in context. You're showing the kids like, well, we have to eat, right? That's important. That's how we stay alive. We need to sleep. That's also important. Playing, it's fun. It's great. You know, like it's all these things are vital to our lives. And then you put in their pray always and you're teaching them that we also have to take care of our spirit. Um, and I think when we put it in that, that help the kids and set it up that way, it helps them see that this is something that's helpful and it's crucial to our survival and our development. Um, so the activity page for the week um, so the, you know, the last page on in the primary, the section of the primary manual, um, it's like, a, it's a little booklet that you can cut out. So it's like these little like hexagons that like fold together. It's really cute. So it's a little booklet and it shows places and times that you can pray. So it has pictures of like the family prayer, someone eating, someone at like school or doing homework, um, bedtime in primary, and then someone crying. And they're praying in all of the pictures. And so you can talk about each of those examples and how um, how you pray in all of, the, all of those situations. You can also let the kids, and this is just me throwing this out there, on the back side of all those little hexagons, the kids could think of other examples um, of times or places that they can say prayers. All right, another example, it says, invite the children to draw pictures of themselves or their families praying at different times and places, such as in church, before school, or at bedtime. Explain that praying always can mean praying often throughout the day. How can we pray even when we are around other people, such as at school or with our friends? I remember when I was young, like this was, it was sometimes hard for me to feel like I could pray when other people are around me, even though... You can. If you teach your kids that, I mean, you just need to close your eyes for a minute and just think a prayer in your head. And there could be complete chaos around you. 
as long as you can still think the words in your head, it's a prayer. Um, sometimes you could encourage them to go find a quiet place, like go to the bathroom. Or um, if it's at recess, maybe they can just go find a quiet quiet place on the playground. Or um, if they got permission from their teacher, go back inside or something like that and, and say a prayer. Um, at home, I, my home is chaos. <laughs> I have lots of young children and there's lots of fighting and there's lots of loud play, but I've encouraged, especially my oldest, that if he needs a minute to just go up to his room and he can say a prayer or if his room is being occupied, he can go in my room. I've offered that to him as well. So I think it's just important to like give your kids, um, a way, give them a path. And permission to do it. Because, you know, so often kids feel like they're going to get in trouble for doing something. Um, you could also practice and show them where they could go or how they could do that. Um, so something else you could do is make a list of times when you can pray and the places you can pray. For additional ideas, it says you can look at Alma 34, 17 through 27. And this is the, the verse where it says, cry unto him when you're in your fields, over your flocks, in your houses, you know, and it goes on and on. And your secret places in your wilderness. Okay, so um, I didn't want to read the whole thing because I'm trying to cut down on how long these are. Um, all right, another thing says, On strips of paper, write words or phrases from Doctrine and Covenants 10, verse 5. Pray always that you may come off conqueror. Yea, that you may conquer Satan, and that you may escape the hands of the servants of Satan that do uphold his work. So you can just do part of that verse. So you write on separate pieces of paper, either phrases from that verse or single words and just do part of the verse it's up to you like how much you want to do and how much your kids are capable of doing and then you have them put it in the right order and you can have them read it out of their own scriptures to try to figure it out or you can read it to them and they can try to do it based on how many times you read it by doing this they're going to think through it a lot of times and it's going to stick in their head a little bit more this verse is so powerful because it says pray always that you may come off conqueror that you may conquer satan I don't know about you, but my little boys love the idea of, you know, being victorious and defeating the bad guy. And if you put it in those terms, they're going to just embrace that and just, it will make them so excited. All right. It all says, according to this verse, what blessings come when we pray? How can remembering to pray throughout our day help us, especially when we are tempted to do something wrong? So this is something just kind of going back to the examples I gave. This is something that I would probably bring up for around scripture study when we would read verse five and then I'd probably ask my kids, well, what can it help us? Like, why, why do we pray always? What benefits do we get out of this? Um, what happens when we're tempted and, and, you know, Satan's trying to get us to do something wrong. And if you have these conversations, the kids will probably bring up examples themselves of their own lives and, and it's, it's really good to talk through some examples with them and help them see of what they can do about their own small problems. All right. Help the children create a small sign or picture that will help, that will remind them to pray always. Invite them to hang their signs in their homes where they will see them regularly. I love this because it's something I do for myself anyway. So I'm like, this would be great for the whole family. So some of the things I thought of, I actually did this with my kids like a year ago. We made prayer rocks instead of like being the rock that you put on your, you know, you know, we used to do this when we were like in primary, you'd put a rock on your bed and it would remind you to pray at night and then you'd put it on the floor. And so when you got out of bed in the morning, you'd like feel it on the floor and you'd 
say your prayers. At least that's what you were supposed to do. <laughs> well, my prayer rock that I made last year with my kids, they made their own prayer rocks, but mine just says pray. I just wrote the word pray on it in cute calligraphy. And I put it in my window above my sink in my kitchen. So every time I'm doing my dishes, I'm reminded that I'm supposed to pray. And I love that reminder. Um, so there's that's an example. Um, I know a lot of youth or young women are really into calligraphy right now or moms I kind of am and um <laughs> so you can make a cute little calligraphy page something says like pray always or pray or something like that or you know pray that you come off conqueror or whatever you want to write and post it somewhere so that you'll see it on a regular basis you could find a coloring page of someone praying for younger kids um and they can just have a picture of a pr someone praying and that could be their reminder. Uh, and something I really like to do, and I did this a lot when I was in college, but I like to write on mirrors with dry erase markers. And I've done that a lot in my life when there's just something I really need to see on a regular basis. Because every time you look in the mirror, which is often, or while you're getting ready and you're sitting there reading it over and over again, um, it's really powerful to have it in your head. And so you can write. Then the kids would probably think that was really fun to write on the mirror. Um, you could get a gospel art picture of someone praying and you could put that on your fridge um, to remind you. So this is getting into the talk that I referenced earlier by Elder Bednar. Um, again, it's Pray Always in October of 2008. And I read a lot of what I wanted to to read to you, but I also wanted to to touch back to, to one more thing he said said, spiritual creation preceded the temporal creation. In a similar way, meaningful morning prayer is an important element in the spiritual creation of each day and precedes the temporal creation or the actual execution of the day. Just as the temporal creation was linked to and a continuation of the spiritual creation, so meaningful morning and evening prayers are linked to and are a continuation of each other. This talk that he gave was beautiful. I like the idea of linking our prayers together. Because that's, that is, you know, we pray always. And basically your life turns into a big prayer. <laughs> and, um, but also kind of planning your day out spiritually before you execute it. I love that idea of, of kneeling down in the morning and, and talking to the Lord, planning your day out with him and, and making sure that your, your priorities are right and, and straight. And then you go forward and execute those things. All right, last verse is Doctrine and Covenants 10, verses 55 through 70. Um, this is in the, the Individuals and Families Manual. It talks about stuff to do as a family. It says, invite family members to find or mark phrases that begin with I am or I will. What do we learn from the I am phrases about who Jesus is and what he is like? What do we learn from the I will phrases about what he does? encourage family members to share how these truths strengthen their faith in Jesus Christ. I liked this because it's one that you can do with like your emergent readers all the way up through your, you know, high schoolers because kids that are learning to read are going to love to find the words that they recognize. And so if you have them search for those words, that will be fun for them to find them. And then as a family, if you talk about what that means about Jesus Christ, I think it will strengthen everyone's testimony and get everyone involved in that discussion. All right, the Holy Ghost leads me to do good. Even at a young age, children can begin to recognize when the Spirit is speaking to them. And isn't that true? I love that 
kids don't have to have the gift of the Holy Ghost to be able to recognize when the Spirit is talking to them. So in Doctrine and Covenants section 11, verses 12 through 14, it says, And now, verily, verily, I say unto thee, Put your trust in that Spirit which leadeth to do good, yea, to do justly, to walk humbly, to judge righteously. And this is my Spirit. Verily, verily, I say unto you, I will impart unto you of my Spirit which shall enlighten your mind, which shall fill your soul with joy. And then shall ye know, or by this shall you know, that all things whatsoever you desire of me, which are pertaining unto things of righteousness in faith, believing in me, that you shall receive. All right, so how can reading those verses help your family members recognize when the Spirit is communicating with them? So one thing you could do is you could shine a flashlight on the floor and invite a family member to move it, move to where the light is shining. How is doing this like following the guidance of the Holy Ghost? What personal experiences could you share? Um, another thing that has to do with light, and I love that they're connecting light to the spirit. It says hide a light bulb or flashlight and a picture of a happy face somewhere in the room. Ask the children to find these items. Read Doctrine and Covenants 11, verse 13, which I'll do in a minute. Um, and it says, help the children identify words that relate to the items they found. What do these words teach about how the Holy Ghost helps us? So the verse is, Verily, verily, I say unto you, I will impart unto you of my spirit, which shall enlighten your mind, which shall fill your soul with joy. So you could talk about light and how that helps you and makes you happy. Those are, that's, that is the spirit, right? So <laughs> I love that they're connecting the spirit to light because when I feel the spirit, I feel warm and I feel peaceful and I feel like I can like have hope and I can see farther and see more of our past, what is immediately in front of me. And that all of those things connect to light. All of those same things can be said about light. And I also love that it says it will fill your soul with joy because that's really how I feel when I feel a spirit. Uh, give the children several situations in which they would need to make a choice between right and wrong, such as the choice to tell the truth or tell a lie, the choice to be kind or be mean. How can we know which choice is the right one? Read together Doctrine and Covenants 11 verse 12, which is what I just read. Um... Oh, sorry. I read it a minute ago, but it says, And verily, verily, I say unto thee, put your trust in that spirit which leadeth to do good, yea, to do justly, to walk humbly, to judge righteously, and this is my spirit. And then you can testify that the Holy Ghost will help us make the right choice if we listen to him. All right. Help the children make a list of people they go to when they need help or have a question. Why do we trust that these people will help us? Invite the children to read Doctrine and Covenants 11 verse 12 and look for what Hiram Smith was told to trust. What do we learn from this verse about why we should trust should trust in the guidance of the Holy Ghost? I like that, again, because it kind of helps the kids connect it to something they already know. If you connect to previous understanding and things that they understand or, you know, experience, then they're going to connect this new. It's going to stick with them. That's something as we were... Um, when I was in school and learning how to teach, they talked a lot about if you connect to something that they already know, they can relate it to their life, which helps it stick in their mind. And so when you connect to trust, 
who do you trust? What are people who, you know, what people, if you needed help or you needed some, you needed to feel safe, where would you go? And if you connect Holy Ghost and put that into your list of people you trust, that will be powerful and they will remember that. Ask the children what they would say to a friend who asked them what it feels like when the Holy Ghost speaks to them. Invite the children to read Doctrine and Covenants 11 verses 12 through 13 and to find some possible answers. So this is great because if they're talking to their peers and kids their age, I think they're going to talk about things in terms that they recognize and they relate to. And they'll be able to, to see. And I think it's also good because they'll probably be thinking in their own mind how they have felt the Holy Ghost in their own life. Sing a song about the guidance of the Holy Ghost, such as listen, listen. Something else you could do is share with the children some experiences you've had with the Holy Ghost, guiding you to do good things. This is always great because, again, you're sharing experiences and the kids are seeing real-life examples of this um, in situations that they'll be able to relate to. Um, invite the children to ponder when they might have had experiences like these and then share their experiences if they feel comfortable doing so. And I like that it emphasizes that they need to be comfortable. If we force the kids to to share when they aren't up to it, I think they'll have a negative experience. And I think we need to really focus on the the overall goal is to help our kids feel the spirit. Whether or not they learn exactly what we're trying to teach them or, you know, follow through with every single activity, the most important thing is that they feel love and feel the spirit. Testify the Heavenly Father wants to guide us through the Holy Ghost. And encourage the children to notice during the coming week when they have feelings like those described in Dr. Covenants 11. And one nice thing about this, being your, the mom that's teaching this, or the dad, um, you're with these kids all the time. And they you can tell them, when you have these experiences, come tell me. I want to know how you've experienced it. And especially if you do this at the beginning of the week. Um, they could come to you throughout the week and you could be talking about this every single night for a scripture study and you could even bring it up over family prayer and just say, who has felt the spirit today and can you tell us what you were doing or you know how it felt? It would be a really good way to tie the whole week together. All right, in the older children's section, there's one more um, area to study and it says, I need to know the gospel so I can help others find the truth. I was thinking about this Today, um, it's Sunday that I'm recording this, and I was at church this morning, and and I was thinking about this lesson and, and the upcoming podcast, and, and I was thinking about this specifically, and I was, um, I've been thinking a lot about ways to improve my personal study, and I was thinking per, uh, particularly about how, as mothers, we need to know the gospel so we can teach it to our children. And obviously, that's kind of what this podcast is for, is to help you know it or know enough that you can teach it to your children. And that's why I'm trying to help. But I think it's also important that we find time to do some personal study and to fill the spirit and connect personally to the scriptures and not just, you know, rely on Melissa's impromptings or Melissa's intuition. <laughs> But have some personal time in the scriptures that's just for you. And when you do that, the Holy Ghost will be with you and you will be able to teach your children with more knowledge and more power. All right, so things you can do to teach this concept to the kids. 
in his role play how they would talk about the gospel with someone who hasn't heard about it before. For example, how would they answer questions about the Book of Mormon? How would they explain who Jesus Christ is? I love this because um, we, our next door neighbor is not a member. And um, one week we, um, we w- went to church and we came home and <laughs> this particular neighbor loves to stick his head over the wall. He's so he's, um, he's about a year older than my oldest and <laughs> but he's really good friends with my, my two boys. And so he'll always just pop his head over the wall and talk to my kids. And so my kids after church went out, we're jumping on the trampoline and we were just kind of enjoying a nice sunny afternoon, Sunday afternoon outside. And, um, my boys were on the trampoline. And so this little neighbor boy pokes his head over the wall and said, where were you guys? You guys weren't here this morning. Where were you? And cause they had been, I guess the night before had promised that they would come out and jump on the trampoline and talk to him in the morning or something. And, and Weston, my oldest said, we were at church. <laughs> He's like, why don't you come to church? You should come to church. And this little boy was like, he said something like, why do you go to church? And Weston said, well, we go to church so we can learn about Jesus. And of course, me sitting over where this boy couldn't see me, but listening to this conversation, I was very proud of him because, he, you know, we, we go to church to learn about Jesus. And I was like, yes, he knows. <laughs> but this little boy started, well, why, why would you learn about someone who like was alive like 2000 years ago? And of course, as he's saying all these things, I'm just like, wow. You are just repeating exactly what your parents have said, I'm sure. But he started, you know, why would you want to even learn about this? And of course, my son was like, I, I don't know. We just learned about Jesus, you know, but oh, he was like five at the time. So, but it just made me as a mom just realize like what a great learning opportunity that is to talk to, let your kids talk to their friends about, you know, why, why you go to church and, and why we talk about Jesus and why we learn about him and, and why that is so important in our lives. So you could have examples like that and say to your kids, you know, how would, if someone were to ask you something like this, how would you respond? And giving them words and helping them see and practice it will help them be more confident when situations that like this, that will arise when they do come up. All right. Read with the children, Doctrine and Covenants 11 verses 21 and 26. And I'm going to read that for you. It says, Seek not to declare my word, but first seek to obtain my word. And then shall your tongue be loosed. Then, if you desire, you shall have my spirit and my word. Yea, the power of God unto the convincing of men. Therefore, treasure up in your heart until the time which is in my wisdom that you shall go forth. What did the Lord tell Harm Smith that he needed to do so he could teach the gospel? Which it tells him that he needs to obtain the word. And I like that it says, If you desire... You shall have my spirit and my word. And it really is that simple. If you want to do this, the Lord will bless you and help you. And I know it's scary. I am not good at sharing the gospel. It's something, it's one of my weaknesses. I get really nervous about talking to people about my faith. And I, of course, I'm doing it here on this podcast, but I am confident (laughs) that most of you have the same beliefs as me and Um, also I don't have to look you in the eye and be judged, right? (laughs) So, um, maybe this is just a good way for me to practice, um, bearing my testimony, but I like how simple the Lord lays it out. If you desire, I will give you my spirit and my word and you will be able to teach. Um, 
It says, what does it mean to obtain God's word? And how can we do this? How do we treasure up God's word in our hearts? And I, I also really like that, the idea of treasure. I got into this idea of treasuring thing, you know, all the treasure references in the scriptures, because when my oldest, again, I'm telling a lot of stories about him, um, when he was like three or four, well, even younger, he was obsessed with Jake the pirate and all things pirates. And so we did a pirate themed bedroom. He has his bed is a map of Neverland, <laughs> his, his bedspread. Um, and he, you know, he was Peter Pan for, for Halloween that one year. And anyway, so we, we talked a lot about treasure and, and he had a treasure box and, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about treasure. And so I started kind of connecting to all the treasure references in the, in the scriptures. And I love this, that, you know, like you, we think about, you know, where your heart is, there is your, you know, your treasure is also, I, I think about that a lot, but I really like this to treasure when you you treasure the scriptures, you treasure the word of God, it's it's beautiful. Your heart is your treasure box, right? You're putting all these things in your heart and you're storing them safe and keeping them safe in there and, and loving them and um, and making them something that's a part of you. All right. Invite the children to share scripture that they like and explain why they like it. Let them talk about how the scriptures bless their lives. And what they're going to do to study God's word at home. Which we're at home. So you can encourage them to talk about what they're going to do to study God's word. Period. <laughs> um, encourage them to set goals to read God's word more often. And now is a really great time to do that with the new year. Um, and not always do we need to set new goals in the new year. But um, goals are on a lot of people's minds with the new year. Because it's, you know, like all the programs start over. A lot of kids get new teachers. So... You know, you're, the young women move up, some young men and young men, young women, some of them move up and the activity days either start or they move up a group or whatever it is. And, and so they get new leaders or new experiences with making goals. So I think it's a really good time to talk about making goals to read God, God's word more often. And then President Nelson's... Um, yeah, Worldwide Youth Devotional in 2018, it's called Hope of Israel, is referenced here, and it's so powerful. I <laughs> I was going to suggest that you read or listen to it once and apply it to your own life, and then listen or read, to it, read it again and think about your own children, and I decided not to do that because it's like an hour long, <laughs> so that's a lot of time in your life, but if you want to do that. I think it's great. I listened to it the other day and it just amazed me how just especially, I mean, I, I remember hearing this when I was, um, was a youth hearing that we were saved for the latter days and that we were a choice generation. But I mean, our children are even more so. I mean, you, you, it's amazing to me the world that we live in and and these spirits are so strong. I've been amazed at my children and how outgoing and strong they are and how often they they are quick to share share their testimonies as simple as they are. But um I just I love the idea of this youth battalion and and these choice spirits being here on earth. Um so and the, the last thing that the manual suggested says, consider making a list of things that the Lord told Hiram Smith to do so that he would be ready to share the gospel. 
what should we work on as a family? And I like the idea of making family goals because it's a team effort and it helps unite the family and bring them all closer together. I appreciate you listening and sticking with me through the podcast. Hopefully you are enjoying them as much as I'm enjoying making them. Please connect with me on Facebook. Um, I have a Facebook group called We Talk of Christ. I There's so many good ideas and discussions on there. I've been really enjoying um, what everyone has to say. And I'd love to hear from you of things that you enjoy about the podcast and things you would like to, me to change or make better. I really want this to be something that gives you a lot of hope and confidence going forward as you're teaching your family. So if there's a way that I can make it better or make it work better for you, please go ahead and share that with me. And um, I look forward to hearing from you. Have a fantastic week. Jesus wants me for a sunbeam. Jesus wants me for a sunbeam. Sunbeam. To shine. For me today. In every way. He bless me. He shines me for a day. <laughs> I'm a child of God. A child of God. I am a child, child of God. God. And He has sent me here. Has me. Here.